1: there's another word that he has given us a scripture that he put in my spirit earlier in the week it's first peter chapter 1 verses 3 4 and 5 first peter chapter 1 verses 3 4 and 5 i will be reading this in the new living translation of the bible all praise to God the father of our lord Jesus Christ it is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you. By his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. May the Lord bless his word. I want to preach today from this text, this passage. The subject is the believer's eternal inheritance. The believer's eternal inheritance. Peter is writing this letter in the New Testament. His audience is primarily Jewish Christians, and these Christians are suffering persecution. Uh, It could be perhaps the reign of persecution that began around the time of either Domitian or Nero, who were Roman Caesars. The chronology is not as important as us realizing that he's writing to encourage the saints of God. And sometimes as we seek to encourage God's children, we want to help them to get their eyes and their hearts and their minds off the immediate horizon of difficulty or the immediate horizon of their straightened experiences and focus on God. I think it is truly remarkable when the pilgrims in ancient Israel would move toward Jerusalem during one of the ancient feasts. And they would say, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. Sometimes we just need to get our eyes off of the stuff that's going on around us, that's going on with us and that's going on inside of us and lift up our eyes to the hill. It is part of our pastoral responsibility. It is part of our pastoral priorities to encourage saints during difficult times. And Peter, who was no stranger to trouble, no stranger to trial, he encourages the saints of God as he writes to them, as he writes to these Christians, these Jewish Christians who basically sacrificed everything in order to not only profess the faith, but to somehow escape the reign of persecution that had fallen upon them. Many of them were homeless, many of them lacked proper food, proper accommodations, they They had lost everything. And so how appropriate it is for Peter to remind them that they have, despite what's going on around them, that they have an eternal inheritance. And what he says to them is also true of us. We have an eternal inheritance. Uh, That's why this passage is so applicable, so relevant. Jesus says Many things to the disciples in the upper room as he anticipates his arrest, as he anticipates his passion, his burial, his resurrection. He says to them, though, he says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. He said, I, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Yeah. Uh, that where I am, you may be also. And so he writes to encourage the saints who are suffering persecution. He reminds them that God has something for them. He has an eternal inheritance that is reserved in heaven for them. When I read and reflect upon these inheritance passages I'm always reminded of the story that one of my mentors and professor in seminary told, uh, Dr. Warren Wiersbe, actually puts this story in his commentary on Ephesians, which has as a central verse this whole idea of inheritance. Ephesians 1 and 3 said, We've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And Dr. Wiersbe uh, shared in our class how this elderly woman died. She was very wealthy. And all of the heirs, all of the potential heirs, came for the will reading for the estate distribution and disposition. And the attorney opened the will, he began reading, and it simply said, Having been of sound mind and body, I spent it all. <laughs> Jesus did not spend it all. And this passage is a reminder of that. And so we have this passage about the eternal inheritance of the believer. And I want to share three things from the text. First of all, the text reminds us that this eternal inheritance is privilege. It's privilege. It is not an inclusive inheritance. It is privileged. It is a opportunity that is given to all but is only received by some. Jesus died on Calvary, and he died for the sins of the whole world. He is, the Bible says, the perpetuation for our sins, but not ours only, but the sins of the whole world. But there are some who have not received the gift. They've not received the gift. The blessing that comes from the death of Jesus on Calvary. And so it is privileged in terms of African Americans and our journey. And I know others share this experience too. It's not necessarily exclusive to race. But as a people, I can say that privilege has not always been a part of our conversation. Now, Now, somebody here may be different than me, but privilege is not something that I was accustomed to, nor am necessarily accustomed to right now. I grew up poor in rural West Tennessee when you had to draw water out of a well and uh, the bathrooms were outside. And air conditioning was letting the window up and pulling a screen down. I was reading an article recently about the difference between old money and new money. And I said, they should have wrote another section, no money. (laughs) You have old money when you, your last name may be Rockefeller or, or Carnegie or Hilton, you know, and you inherit it. And then new money, you might have the last name Gates or something like that or Jobs, or Walton. New money is folk who become wealthy, but they did not necessarily come from a wealthy family. Old money is people who inherit riches. Well, I had neither old nor new money. (laughs) But this text reminds me, in spite of that, I'm privileged. I'm privileged because this inheritance is undeserved. It's undeserved. Peter was a mercy man. When you read Peter's epistle, he's always opening his doxologies. He's always opening his praise with mercy. Paul was a grace man. And it's interesting to kind of parallel the two. And you know, we need both. We need grace and mercy. We need grace because God gives us what we don't deserve. But we also need some mercy. Well, when you denied the Lord, you know, when you cut folk ears off, when you cut folk out, that's Peter. Uh, You need him to withhold what you do deserve. And he talks about how by his great mercy we have been born again. And so this inheritance is undeserved. It's undeserved. And it's exclusive because the requirement is that you must be. You've got to. You just have to be born again. You know, this is not a promise for public consumption. You've got to have a relationship, and you know what? If you don't have a relationship, if you're not sure you have it, you ought not leave here this morning. Your life can end in a millisecond. Things can happen so quickly, but God because of what Jesus did on Calvary. He is offering to us the opportunity to have a second birth. I don't care what family you were born into. It won't do you any good in an eternal dimension unless you are born again. It's privilege because it's undeserved and it's exclusive. But it's privilege because it's based on the labor of someone else. We receive an inheritance that we didn't work for. We receive an inheritance that we didn't earn. Jesus paid it all. And all to him we owe the great hymn say, sin has left a crimson stain, and he washed it white as snow. And because he got up on that first Sunday morning, this inheritance... A privileged part of it is that it energizes us because we live with the expectation. In fact, the text says, with the great expectation that our best days are not behind us, but our best days are in front of us. Some glad morning, when this life is over, if I did not... If I did not embrace this expectation, I don't know how I could come alongside so many families who are having to say goodbye to loved ones. If I believe death was the last word, why even open the doors of the church if that was our collective belief? But I believe what the Bible teaches, and I know many of you do, that beyond this veil of suffering and tears, there is a lively hope. And that makes this inheritance privileged. You know that God has planned something so wonderful for you that the way Paul describes it, his eyes have not seen, ears have not heard what the Lord has prepared for those that love him. So it is privilege, the believer's eternal inheritance. But there's another thing, it is priceless. It is priceless. In verse 4, the word used for inheritance is actually the word used in the Greek Old Testament, the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. It is the same word that is used for the possession of land, for the land of Canaan that God promised the Israelites. This is likened in terms of analogy, in terms of symbol to the inheritance that the New Testament believer has. And you know what God told Israel in the Old Testament? He says, I have already given you the land. He says, all you got to do is walk in it. You just have to step out on faith and trust me. You don't have to work for it. He says, I will cause one of you to chase a thousand if you trust me. He says, don't worry about the giants. Don't look at yourself as grasshoppers. Just trust me. Just trust me. And I will give you the land. And that's what he's saying, Peter's saying to the uh, suffering saints, the Jews he's writing to here. He says, God has blessed us with an inheritance, He's blessed us with spiritual real estate. And all you have to do is step out on faith and trust Him. Just trust me. And what He's given you is priceless. It's priceless there's a diamond that is in the possession of the British royal family. It is called the Codemore. It is 105 carats and 25 grams. It is a beautiful stone. In this particular article, the 10 most expensive diamonds are listed. The one that's next to it is valued at 400 and eleven million dollars. This particular diamond, they say, is unestimated. It is the most expensive, the most priceless diamond in the world. But when I look at this text, yeah. I have something. And if you're a child of God, you have something more priceless yes, than the Kohinoor diamond. Yeah. There's no estimate for this diamond. I don't even know how they ensure that. We know it's more than 411 million. But it's not as priceless as what you have in Jesus Christ. And what I have in Jesus Christ. Peter describes it. He says, it is. It is reserved in heaven for you. It's undefiled. Meaning it can't be ravaged. It can't be taken. It can't be dispossessed. It's pure. It can't be polluted. And then he says, it is not susceptible to change or decay. So much of the world around us is shifting. Sometimes things are shifting so fast, it's just hard to keep up. But there's one thing that doesn't shift. And that's its eternal inheritance. Maybe that's what the songwriter was talking about when he says, Oh, Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking or shifting sand. It is privileged. And it is priceless. But the final thing the text says about it is it is protected. It is protected. The inheritance we have in Christ is guarded. It is protected. It's interesting how Peter lays this out in this passage. When he says, in the first instance, that this inheritance is kept in heaven, kept. You see it in verse four. He said it's kept. He uses a word that communicates the idea of something valuable being protected or guarded, perhaps like what we do sometimes when. When important documents are not kept at home, but they're put in a safe deposit box. He says it's kept, it's guarded, it's treated as valuable in heaven. Now we know that it's all right. What God has prepared for us in heaven is okay. Jesus said it this way. He says, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt or thieves break through and steal. We know that what God has prepared for us, what Jesus says he's preparing for us is kept by the very power of God. But then... The other twist in this last verse is that just as the inheritance is being kept, God is also protecting those who will inherit the inheritance. He says, you are protected by the power of God. You're protected by his power until your salvation is fulfilled. You see, I'm so glad this morning that God has a protection service. Uh, He protects our inheritance for us, but he also protects us for our inheritance. When he says that we are protected by his power, he does not use the same word That he uses when he communicates how God has under seal and under security our eternal inheritance, which is undefiled, which is pure, and which does not fade away. You see, things down here will come apart, will fall apart. They will fade and deteriorate. But see, the Bible says that not only is God protecting our inheritance, but he is protecting you and me. You and I, sometimes we sit around and we act like we are all by ourselves. But this text is a reminder that God's protection services is watching over us day and night. I love the way Dr. Clay Evans said it. He says, all night... And all day, the angels of God are watching over me. I'm so glad that I have a security detail that watches over me in the midnight hour. David understood it. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You know, I was thinking about how I wanted to end this sermon. And my mind went back down memory lane. Talking about how God protects us for our inheritance. About five years ago, I was going through a period of spiritual dryness. I don't know if any of you ever been there, but it's when you feel like David felt, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. I knew I was a saint, but I was dealing with some sinner's problems. I knew I was a child of God. I knew I was a Christian, but I knew there was something in my corrupt DNA that was handling me more than I was handling it. And I remember that time in my life, I was preaching a revival in Kentucky. And one night, I felt so dry, I didn't feel like I could get through the sermon. I just called out to the Lord and said, Jesus, I need you to help me, because I've never been able to preach when I got ready to. And that night, the choir got up, and the first song they sang began with these words, Oh, to be kept by Jesus, kept by the power of God, kept from the world, unspotted, uh, treading uh, where Jesus trod. Then they went on and said, oh, to be kept by Jesus, uh, Lord, at thy feet I fall. I'm nothing, uh, and I'm nothing, uh, I'm nothing. Uh, Thou shalt be my all in all. uh, If you want to know who's keeping me today, uh, I want you to know it's not my good intentions. uh, uh, No, no. uh, And it's not even uh, the prayers of the saints. uh, And I want you to keep on uh, praying for me. uh, And I'm not being kept by what I have in the bank. uh, I'm not being kept uh, by what I drive on the street. uh, uh, What's keeping me uh, is the Lord himself. uh, uh, Do I have a witness? Uh, I'm so glad uh, uh, when I lie down to sleep. uh, The Lord watch over me. I do have a witness, uh, and the Bible says uh, He's able. uh, uh, Yes, He is uh, to watch over His children. I'm kept uh, by the power of God. to salvation, and I'm so glad, uh, I'm so glad, I have an eternal inheritance, uh, and some glad morning, uh, when this life is over, I'll fly away, uh, to have a witness here, and I'm kept the same power that kept Jesus on the cross. The same power that watched over him when he was in a bar tomb. And that same power that got him up that first Sunday morning is keeping me. Is there anybody here that knows His keeping power? Is he able? To keep you uh, in the midst of a storm. Uh, those disciples uh, on a stormy sea, uh, they understood uh, his keeping power when he got up uh, and said, peace be still. Is there anybody here? He's got up in your life uh, and said, peace be still. I'm so glad I'm kept by his power. I'm so glad. I'm kept by his love. I'm so glad. I'm kept by his grace. I'm so glad. Is he able? Is he able? Is he able? So I have an eternal inheritance. It's privileged. It's priceless. And it's protected.
0: You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.